Hello and welcome to SWAT Radio with Doug McCary of His Light Ministries. So happy you are listening today. I am Taylor Johnson, and if you would like to join our discussion, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928, or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Today is Monday, first day of the week. Doug, what's new with you? Well, it's cold. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed that here in Jacksonville. It is cold and rainy and uh, kind of wintry out, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I I think that people uh, up north would beg to differ well, about what's cold. I mean, listen, for Florida, if <laughs> yeah. it's 50 degrees, it's cold. Yeah. And it's 53 and with a little bit of a wind blowing, so... Uh, it's cold and a little rainy, cloudy here. Uh, I know the folks in, uh, you know, um, out in uh, Mississippi. It's it's I think similar. There they always run pretty close uh, to us weather wise. I think I'm reading it's in the mid fifties uh, there. Uh, again, kind of cloudy up in Virginia Beach. It's forty degrees right now. All you folks listening up on the lighthouse. Uh, stay warm, 16-mile-per-hour winds, so it's probably feeling, and a little rain, so it's feeling really chilly out. So uh, good day to stay in and stay warm. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah, it is. And uh, for our friends out in Idaho, uh, this is like, I mean, what we're experiencing here would be really warm (laughs) because it's like (laughs) the 30s out there. So uh, anyway, yeah, it's uh, February 7th. One week away from V-Day uh, for your sweetheart, uh, if you want to remember that, guys, out there. <laughs> next Monday, or next Monday's Valentine's Day, so uh, don't forget that. Um, yeah, I don't know, uh, Taylor. It's uh, hard to believe we're already into the second month of 2022. I mean, January just came and went, didn't it, really quick. Yep, uh, and I'm sure this month will go by pretty quick too, seeing as the shortest month in the uh, in the year. Yeah, um, I, I will tell you just on a personal note, I'm really excited that um, um, <laughs> that my my girls uh, got to go to school today, and they they made a change at their school where now masks are optional, and so there was no mask for my daughters, which was really great. That's uh, cool. Yeah, I was really excited about that today, and so was Lori, uh, just because. I think, well, listen, I don't know if you've noticed over the past week, but how many people that are, quote, leaders, uh, especially uh, particularly Democratic leaders who are the ones pushing the mask or not masking in places and they're getting caught in all these different photos. I don't know if you saw that. Um, but uh yeah and then you got the the whole freedom convoy thing up in Canada I think the uh the anti-vaccine mandate protest uh people all over the world are starting to say okay enough's enough we're mm-hmm. ready to move on cuz they just realize that uh, it's it's time to move on and I think you're going to see that I think our president is going to um try to do something on the State of the Union or the beginning of March. But, again, people are saying that's way too late. Uh, uh, I mean, but. 
you would think that that just politically that would be the thing to do, but you know, over the past two years, have not seen that. But it, yeah, it feels like uh, this stuff is about to end um, because it's just not sustainable. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you uh, caught uh, the briefing this morning, but there was an article in the New York Times that's interesting to me. Um, uh, this guy wrote an article called "The Dissenters Trying to Save Evangelicalism." Oh, yeah. Did you see that? I saw that article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what'd you think of that? Man, they were talking about uh, some like Russell Moore and people like that. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. I just wasn't a big fan of the article. Yeah. Well, it, it was a hit piece, probably, just like everything else. I mean, well, since a, when does the New York Times really uh, put out anything? It was a puff piece on it, them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, a hit piece on, I guess, what you would call the wider evangelical culture or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, so anyway, um, but most ev- evangelicals aren't really uh, looking for wisdom from the New York Times, and <laughs> they don't get their news from the New York Times. You know, the the New York Times has really gone through a uh, – they've just kind of gone down really bad over the last few years where they've lost a lot of credibility. Um, I think, you know, uh, legacy media in general is going through that right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Just if, if it's not a loss of credibility, it's a loss of, you know, viewership as far as like uh, mainstream uh, cable news and stuff like that goes or readership as far as newspapers go. I mean, newspapers are going out of business all over the place. So. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, the the other thing he talked about was how uh, people, I, the whole Pennsylvania swimmer thing, the transgender oh, mm-hmm. thing, where everybody saying, yes, he can live any way he wants, but uh, it's not fair for him to compete. But that statement in and of itself is not true. Can you live any way you want? No. If you do certain things, you mm-hmm. go to jail, right? If you do certain things, people are going to be upset with you. And this is what really gets me is all these people want to jump on the bandwagon to support transgender rights or homosexual rights and all this. And and yet, if you just want to have a belief that the Bible is true and that it says those things are wrong, I mean, you're not mistreating people on because of it but you just believe those things, they they get upset and really agitated with you. It seems to me that there is a real lack of tolerance on that part, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, tolerance was just a, a talking point and a tool um, to get uh, to get uh, acceptance in a brighter, uh, broader conversation, you know, I guess probably starting 40 years ago or so. But once uh, it's become the dominant uh, cultural force that way of thinking that worldview mm. uh, tolerance goes out the window it, tolerance was never going to be um, something that was sustainable or that was going to last for a long period of time that was just a tactic being used uh, to um, mainstream certain ideas that for a long time had not been seen as uh, the correct ideas are uh, seen as false well did you hear that at least one of the swimmers up there said uh, that uh, Leah still presents male and still dates women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I, I think that that if, would be awkward in the in the locker room, right? Yeah, if you heard, you know what sh- uh, she said. At any other instance where a dude goes into the locker room, <laughs> gets dude, gets around, yeah, yeah, but gets, guy, yeah. yeah, gets aroused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh, gets naked and aroused by other around women, we would do something about that. Well, it would be it would be bad. Yeah, I mean, in fact, I think people with Aaron, what was their name, Aaron Andrews? They tried to so guys oh, were doing that. Mm-hmm. And they got they were peeping oh. toms or something yeah, yeah, with yeah. her. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a yeah. Or if you, like you know the issues with why transgender bathroom bills were so opposed is that there was dudes who you know were dressed like women who would go into the bathrooms and they would do things to people that they shouldn't be doing things to and who didn't want them to and yet we're still trying to enshrine that into law i think i think we should make a a new translation street translation of the bible where we call men dudes (laughs) (laughs) and god said to dudes wouldn't that be funny (laughs) that might uh might relate to some people a little more (laughs) oh that's funny oh no hey uh some of you have uh, called in and asked about dr Merritt's interview about some of the statistics i think um and and there were several statistics mentioned if if you would like uh some of the statistics rated specifically to the uptick in the military um reporting uh, I can send you that because that was one of the things I mentioned about a 300% increase in cancer, heart rate. I mean, heart uh, like uh, myocarditis and pericarditis, those things. I have those statistics. She did mention a couple other statistics, but I wasn't sure specifically uh, of what you meant because there were voicemail messages left for us. So uh, just send me an email at Doug at SWATradio.com. And if you want those statistics of the military um, post-vaccine increases in uh, in health conditions, you know, things that have happened, or I should say health events, uh, I'll be happy to get that to you. So, um, And I heard some rumblings about uh, um, that. I can't remember the system going through some changes, uh, you know, so to kind of hide some of that stuff. But I do know there are time-stamped uh, 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 shots and stuff that's marking that. So I'm not exactly sure where to get it. I'm sure uh, Dr. Merritt does, but uh, that is something to keep in mind is that uh, they're going to try to suppress the, the truth in many ways. Well, you know, um, I uh, one one more thing on the, the mask. Each one of these uh, uh, Democratic leaders who have been promoting masks but then caught without it all say, well, I held my breath or <laughs> or whatever they say to defend their things. I think they they know because those same people, it's not just one instance. There's many instances. So that's it, it breaks down. And, again, I believe you're going to see in the next couple of weeks, maybe uh, sooner, more and more of those uh, mandates start to drop requirements start to drop because I, I think people are ready to move on and say hey we we've been living with the flu for a long time we've been living for other things for a long time yes we're going to get sick you know uh Lori and i got sick with a bad cold but you know what you you build up better immunity by fighting off those things so uh i, I don't know uh, let's just get into the text today and, and start talking about Acts. I want to get into Acts chapter 13. It's a really, really good text about a vibrant church, about what it means to be a vibrant church, and the attack of the enemy when, when the gospel goes out. 
He's always looking to counterfeit, and that's what we're going to really look at this week. All right, so make sure you stick with us. You're listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the break. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. That is Need to Breathe with Brother. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors, Advancing Truth. And if you are new to SWAT, we are going through uh, the book of Acts. We've been going through it for a, about a year now. Yeah. 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 We're in Acts 13, mm-hmm. um, which is really a dividing point uh, in the letter. You know, Acts, Just if you're just tuning in for the first time, um, you know, we, we've been going through Acts uh, Acts, I think, is probably one of the sixth or seventh books I've taught through at SWAT. And so uh, we teach verse by verse, and we try to cover the whole chapter in context. And uh, this week we're looking at Acts 13, 1 through 12. And remember, in the original languages, it was not there was no verse, no chapter for people that might be new to the Bible. The Bible's a series of letters or books that were written, it starts with Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the Torah. and But it goes all the way through Revelation. In the Old Testament, most of the books are either historical books, poetry books, prof, you know, prophetic books, or history. And, and so they just lay out God's interaction with his people moving toward Jesus in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, it's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospel accounts of eyewitnesses. Uh, Matthew and Luke, actually Matthew and um, John written from disciples' perspectives, even Mark written from Peter's perspective. But Luke was a, was a physician, he was a historian, and um, one famous Greek, uh, British guy, I can't remember his name right now, but said Luke is a first-rate historian in history, like of all the historians. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very meticulous, and he interviewed people and laid out in the first 
gospel, I mean, the gospel of Luke, which was his first letter to this guy named Theophilus, the story of Jesus, beginning with the birth. He obviously had talked to Mary, the mother of Jesus, to get the Magnificat, you know, the song and, and some of the details there. And so in the second letter, he writes to Theophilus. He's writing to this guy explaining how the apostles continued the work of Christ. And he starts in Acts chapter 1 by just uh, ending where Luke, the gospel, finished. But then he goes into the coming of the Holy Spirit inside the disciples and how what that looked like. And then the, just kind of the expansion, the birth and expansion of the church. And today we're seeing the church move into the phase of going to the ends of the earth. So in Acts 1.8, he said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And uh, and so we're at that point today where he is going from Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria into the ends of the earth. And it's really launched out of the church at Antioch. Antioch was the third largest city in the world at that time, second only to Alexandria and Rome. It was a huge metropolitan area, and there was a church there that was really one of only two uh, what I would call um, structures, not building structures, but structures of authority recognized as churches at that time. There were believers in different places, but they all came under the authority, apparently, of either the church at Jerusalem or the church at Antioch. Because there was no mention of a church at Samaria, no mention of a church in other places. Um, but there were believers there because believers make up the church. We are the church. You know, un- unlike in our country, people think the church is where the building is. The church is the people. But the, the church functions under an authority structure. We see Paul's instruction to that in First Timothy and Titus. So, uh, you know, Last, not last week, but the weekend before last, I was in West Plains out in uh, uh, First Baptist West Plains, Missouri. And boy, they were a vibrant church. They were a great body of believers there. Human, probably flawed just like you and me, but they were very vibrant. The worship was very vibrant. The teaching was good. The uh, praying, they were prayers. They had a heart for missions and evangelism. And uh, I saw in that church the four priorities that we see revealed in this text today. And today we're going to look primarily at um, verses 1 through 4 and answer this question, what are the priorities of a vibrant church? But I was struck by one of the guy who invited me out. It's a great guy, a great brother named Tom. And we were walking outside the, the church, and he said, you know, Doug, we really love our pastor. They had gone through a tough time after the the other pastor left. He left. He had retired, I think, and uh, they had gone through a tough time, and they got a new young guy named Pastor John in there. And um, this guy who had invited me out there to speak said, you know what, he is so good. I really love him because he really lives out what he teaches, mm. as if that was something odd, that a pastor – the under-shepherd who's leading the church is actually living out what he's teaching others to do. I mean, didn't Jesus come and condemn the Pharisees because they didn't do that? I mean, shouldn't we all, as leaders in the church, anybody who's teaching should be applying what they're teaching to themselves first? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so uh, he said that, and uh, it was just, it struck me that he said he really teach, lives out what he teaches. I just thought that was odd. And then he said this statement. He said, you know what, Doug? He actually meets one-on-one with guys and disciples them mm. as if that was odd, right? Yeah. I mean, like, and, and uh, I love what my buddy Tommy Nelson says. He always asks, where's your men? Who are you discipling? Who are you building into? And, you know, I think it's important that when we look at the priorities of a vibrant church, right out of the text, it, it becomes pretty clear four of the priorities. There's probably more, but these four you see back in Acts chapter 2, you see in Acts 4. And the first one is teaching. The first thing it says in 13 verse 1 is in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Well, why is it identifying them? Because that's important. What does a prophet do? A prophet speaks for God. A teacher explains God's word. That's what Ezra did when they found the law. Ezra explained verse by verse to him expositorily. And so one of the first priorities of a vibrant church is teaching. Second is making a disciple. I mean, the reason that you see uh, in Antioch, uh, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, those three men were products of Barnabas and Saul going there and making disciples. So you see that even though it's not directly stating in the text, it's implied back from chapter 11 and here that the fact that they're mentioned as leaders, because you don't put people in leadership unless they've been trained. Right. And then, and it came from within. I I love that about Tommy out in uh, Denton. Also, Tommy says that, you know, why do you want to hire out people out of a seminary when you can grow them from within your mm. own body? Mm. And that's why he has so many teaching ministries out there. A third thing is worship and fervent prayer. Worship and prayer. It says that they were worshiping and prayer. I'm going to have you read the text in a second, but that's a priority of a vibrant church, teaching, making disciples, worship and fervent prayer, and finally evangelism and missions. If your church is not doing those things, we should at least be asking the question, why? To somebody in charge, why are we not teaching the Bible? Why are we not making disciples? Why are we not worshiping? I want to worship. I want to be involved in evangelism. I want to be involved in missions. What can we do? And, And bring that up because... Those are the priorities of a vibrant church, and we see that in the text. So I'm going to have you read 1 through 4, and we're going to look at this as we see the beginning of of Paul's journey. But again, just to set the stage, this is dividing point. Chapters 1 through 12 is kind of the Jewish church. I mean, by the Jewish church, I mean it just really looked Jewish, right? It was mostly Jews. 13 through 28 of Acts is is the Gentile inclusive church. It's going to look more Gentile as you get in Ephesus, as you get in even Antioch and other places, you're going to see a lot more Gentiles make up the body than the Jews. Uh, Then we see the primary ministry of the first 12 chapters is the apostle Peter. And the second uh, part uh, we see is the apostle Paul. The focus of the first 12 chapters, it really is the church at Jerusalem, how it's, it's expanding and uh, verse uh, thir- or chapter 13 through the end is the church at Antioch. 
And uh, first 12 chapters deal with Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. Jesus' commission in Acts 1-8, 13 through 28, deals with the end of the earth. And so, by the way, it took 16 years to get from Pentecost to this point. Mm. 16 years. And so God's plan took time to unfold because of uh, his people are stubborn. (laughs) They they were hesitant to embrace the Gentiles, really. Peter had to be told, what, three times Mm -hmm. with a vision to go to Cornelius. And even then, I mean, how did they leave Jerusalem? They had to be persecuted to get out of there. But the church continues to grow. Uh, from Jerusalem to Antioch to Ephesus to Rome, and we see that. And we got to remember, we're going to see not today, but tomorrow and uh, Wednesday, uh, as you read 5 through 12, we're going to see that the enemy, Satan, is always trying to keep the church from growing. And one of the primary ways he does that is he brings a counterfeit alongside, and he gets them into places of influence. He's always trying to speak lies in places that influence a culture so that uh, God's word will be muted or it will be diminished. And so we're going to see that in uh, the form of Elemus or Elemus, who is uh, a magician who's attached himself to the city leader there. So uh, how much time we got? We got time to read it before we go? Yeah, I think we do. Okay, one through four. All right. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, and uh, Simeon or Simon? Uh, It's Simeon. But that's Simon sometimes, too. Yeah. All right. Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work of to which I have called them. Then after fasting and prayer, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Celestia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And we will pick up there. That is the full text we're looking at today. After the news, uh, let's see. Before we go, I'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER, as well as all of our local listeners, 91.7 in Jacksonville, 91.9 in St. Augustine, and 91.3 in Folkston, Georgia. And finally, all of you listening online, wherever you are in the country or around the world. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the news. Sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That is Even If by Mercy Me uh, over the break found out uh some things one i guess it's pronounced niger i'm not french I'm an, niger niger i'm an ugly american man okay <laughs> i read it how i see it niger. Um, so yeah my apologies for that's that. all right but you got simon right it is simon uh shimon in hebrew okay. but it's simon uh and he was roman and that's what we're going to see here is that 
when you look at these names, who's the first name? Obviously, Barnabas. Barnabas was from Cyprus. He was a Hellenist. Simon uh, of Niger, Niger uh, Lucius of Cyrene were both North African. They would have been Roman uh, people, pagan people, right. uh, true Gentiles, right? And then you have Menaean, who was a basically like a foster brother of Herod Antipas, who was the one who killed John the Baptist. You know, just to clarify that it wasn't the same Herod who died of worms. It was Herod who uh, killed John the Baptist, who also, you know, had Jesus come in front of him and ask him questions. And so he was the running buddy with him, but he would have been considered a Herodian. And the Herodians were hated by the Jewish leaders. Why? Because they were sympathetic to Rome. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you have Saul, the Pharisee. So that is quite an eclectic group of leaders. But notice it says that they were what? Prophets. They were prophets and teachers in a local church. Um, They, you know, if you remember back over in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone, Ephesians 2, apostles and prophets are the ones that that are basically, the you know, they're the foundation of a church. And so he says we have prophets and teachers. And Saul was an apostle. He was up there. He was one of the apostles sent out, and he's up there discipling with Barnabas, and they're making teachers. They're training people who to be elders who should be able to teach the word of God. And, you know, um, I, I just think when you look, there's these were more of foretelling prophets than foretelling prophets. Um, does that make sense? Like if you look, um, you know, the, back then there were people, like when somebody says they're a prophet today, mm-hmm. they – a prophet in the sense of they're going to speak forth God's word here, mm. more of a um, foretelling it, not saying something's going to happen in the future, but saying what his okay. word said. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, but God had called Paul to minister to the Gentiles back in Acts chapter 9, and guess what? That's what he does with Barnabas in chapter 11. They train these people for a year, and they have teachers and elders in the church because of making disciples. So you see both those two uh, uh, priorities, teaching and making disciples. What does Paul say in Acts 2.2? Uh, or I'm sorry, in Second Timothy 2.2, he says, hey, go find faithful mm-hmm. men and train them to train others. Mm-hmm. You're looking for people to perpetuate and keep it going. And, uh, and that's exactly what they did. They found people. They taught for a whole year, it says in, in Acts eleven twenty six. So you see teaching. You see making disciples. And this is in Antioch. The church is going to continue to grow, continue to expand. And this is what's going to launch Paul out into his missionary journeys. He makes three journeys uh, where he voluntarily goes with somebody, either Barnabas or somebody else, Silas. Um, And then he's going to make one involuntary where he's taken to Rome 
But notice even on that one, he still has permission to move about freely. And he says the gospel went, he was able to teach for two years. So uh, teaching and making disciples are a priority of the church. And we see that here. Um, I don't know if that goes on at your church. Unfortunately, uh, in America, I think there is a great deal of a lack of teaching of God's word, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think uh, do, uh, on that point uh, about the teaching, do you think that it needs to be more than just, uh, you know, robust teaching from the pulpit on Sunday? Like, is there some more that a church can do throughout the week to help uh, people really understand the gospel? Or do you think it's just that, you know, that I, they're I, not doing it on Sunday? I, I know I, most aren't, but. Well, I think, you know, um, I think that Sunday is a time where there should be teaching a pastor's uh, as an under shepherd. Mm-hmm. His primary role is not to be a CEO of a organization, right? His primary role is to feed the sheep. His primary role, uh, as the pastor teacher of a church is to explain God's word to them, to lead them as a, as a under shepherd. Um, you know, Amos eight says the time is coming when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. There's a lot of people uh, who are not hearing, and that's what that's talking about. God's word goes out, but people aren't hearing his word. They don't want to hear his word. Uh, they, they really... You, you think about it. Uh, they're not like the Bereans who hear something and go, let's go look in this text and see what this guy really says. Um, I, I just think that a lot of times people think their role is to go in church and they give a stamp of approval to a pastor or not on whether it keeps them awake in a service on a <laughs> Sunday instead of whether they learn anything. What does the word do to you? How does the word impact you? Do you listen? Are you are you more concerned with the delivery, more concerned with the content as far as entertainment value? Which I think, unfortunately, Taylor, that's where we are. Uh, people hear, but they don't shema. They don't mm-hmm. really hear the word of God because it has no change. It produces nothing in us. Um, you know, and Jesus quoted Deuteronomy when he says, listen, we don't live by bread. We live by what? Every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Uh, that's what should be important. And so I was telling my daughter, one of my daughters this past week, that, you know, before you put breakfast into your mouth, you should put a spiritual breakfast in your mouth every day. You should allow God's word to be going through you. Just think about it. If people every week were hearing God's word really taught, not just a verse read and then 20 minutes, 30 minutes of, you know, pontificating on other stuff, but really heard the word taught. Um, I, I think of Psalm 107, 20 says he sent his word and healed them. There's healing in God's word. Why? Because his word points to Jesus. His word explains the Messiah's coming. Uh, I think, um, where did Jesus start on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24? He went back to the word. He didn't try to do any fancy miracles. He took them to the word. 
and he and he went back to the law and the prophets. What did Peter do? I'm going to share this this week. It's what we're going to look at Paul's first recorded message uh, in Acts 13, you know, uh, 13 through about 40. But both Peter in Acts chapter 2, Stephen in Acts chapter 7, and Paul in Acts chapter 13, we're going to look at um, this week at SWAT at the Bible studies. They all start in the Old Testament. They go back to the Word, and they start unfolding how that Word points to Messiah, points to Jesus. And so that's why teaching is so important. It's not teaching to make you a better husband. It's not teaching to make you a, a you know a better father or a better mother. It's not teaching to make you a better employee. Um, um, it's teaching his word as it relates to Jesus as Messiah so people can be better equipped to go out and be the ambassadors they're called to be. I think far too often in our culture, people think when you ask them what this book is about, it makes you a better person. That's what they think the whole purpose is. Yeah, um, I think that maybe there's a benefit of that tangentially, I think is the right word, right? I mean, it does tell you um, how to live. It's a book that's good for all of life, you know, all of Christ for all of life. Um, so it does tell you how what is pleasing to God, but um, more fundamentally, before you can really get to that, right, mm-hmm. um, you have to know where you stand uh, to God, you know, where where you are in his eyes if you are apart from Christ or if you're with Christ and what it means that Christ died for our sins. So that's something that you have to understand and that is in the Bible. Uh, obviously, there is a benefit of, you know, God tells you how he would like you to live, but that doesn't mean that you that, that there's any benefit uh, of that without uh, Christ, and that's where he's all throughout the book. Well, he is. You know, I heard an illustration one time where a, a pastor said, you know, um, a lot of times if you ever get um, uh, solicitations for relief organizations, they show you pictures of starving children. You see the distended stomachs. You see the poverty. And, um, you know, you, your heart is wrenched, right, for mm-hmm. those kids. You want to get them food. And he he made this statement. I wonder if God had a picture of your church hmm. or our church. He was speaking of his church, of the spiritual bodies of ourself. Would we look like those children in the photos? Would we look poverty-stricken like we had no access to food? When we have it, we just don't partake of it. He said what we have in America is the equivalent of having uh, all this food sitting right here, and yet we're starving Mm. because we don't ingest it. And that's a really good word picture for us because we do. Listen, there's no... Uh, lack of good Bible teaching throughout this country. There's not. You can get podcasts. You, you can get it. But it's not just about the information. That's where we break down. Mm. It, Jesus didn't say, come listen to me. He said, come follow me. Come be with me. And that's where we kind of made it merely about information. And so we see in these first two priorities, teaching and making disciples, that this church was doing that which led to the third one, which is vibrant worship and prayer. They were praying, and when we come back, we're going to look at what they were praying for. 
All right, so stick with us. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more after the break. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is brought to you in part by Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. Ace Door and Window Service, Inc. is a full-service sales door and window installation company. Both of the owners are licensed contractors and are involved in the daily operations of the company. All of their trucks are company-owned and fully equipped. Their mission is to provide Jacksonville and the surrounding area with door and window replacement services. To learn more, call 904-701-3667. That's 904-701-DOOR. Or online at www.astore.com. David Crowder with All My Hope. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. If you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 12 this week. Today we are focusing on verses 1 through 4, talking about the priorities of a vibrant church. If you would like to join the discussion or if you have any questions, please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. So, uh, Taylor, we were we were just going into the third priority, which is worship and fervent prayer. And, uh, you know, if you, you go back to um, Acts 13 and you look um, down at uh, verse thir- 2, it says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Fasting is something that's interesting in our country because – People have come up with all these different kind of fast. And back in the Bible, when they fasted, it was usually because they had some kind of either national emergency or national declaration by a leader who was calling on the people to, to pray so intensely that they didn't eat. If they were distraught over something, they would fast. David, when his son uh, you know, died, was before he died when he was ill he was praying and so intently praying that he wouldn't didn't want to eat uh, the fasting of the bible is a fasting it's a prayer that's so intense that you don't eat you just say i'm not eating i'm i'm so focused on prayer you didn't say i'm going to fast like to add intensity to my prayer the the the, the prayer was so intense that you fasted do you see what I'm saying? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Um, people today do Daniel fast. Well, Daniel didn't fast in a biblical sense of fasting. Daniel didn't eat the king's food, 
because it was against the ceremonial law. It was it was not clean food for him to eat. So he said, you know what, I am, uh, I'm not going to eat that. But people today do, quote, a Daniel fast. But it, it really has nothing to do with a biblical fast because a biblical fast is like if you can imagine a motorcycle and a sidecar, you know, the little sidecars you would, used to see. Mm-hmm. Um, prayer would be the motorcycle and the sidecar is fasting. So if you take fasting apart from prayer, it's it's really there's that's it's it's useless. It's not like a good luck charm that you do. Prayer is just an intense praying, uh, or fasting is an intense praying to where you don't eat. Uh, the The whole giving up something was something that came years later, not out, not in a biblical concept necessarily. Somebody just said, "Hey, we're going to give up this." is a act of some kind of, um, you know, some kind of gift to God, I guess. Mm. But it really wasn't. You don't see that necessarily in the Bible. So, um, Do you think it's wrong if people do a Daniel fast then? I'm not going to say it's wrong. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just telling you that from a biblical standpoint, I mean, biblical fasting was just um, – <laughs> Biblical fasting was was an intense praying mm-hmm. that was either called for um, by a leader because of like maybe they were under siege right and they were interceding to God or maybe they had sinned in such a bad way that they fasted or maybe somebody was sick or something. Um, so basically, what you're saying is if you're just doing the Daniel fast and going about your business, like realize you're not really <laughs> you're missing the point of why fasting is in the bible is because of intense prayer yeah if you fast listen there's lots of reasons to fast some people fast for health they Mm -hmm. fast for diet but people didn't fast in the bible for their diets Mm -hmm. i mean that was not a except for daniel when he did it because the diet violated god's law not because he it wasn't because he wanted to lose yeah (laughs) he wasn't trying to lose in fact he didn't lose weight he looked better than the other people right you know um so it's just interesting to me how we just get trendy with stuff and somebody goes, hey, I think we ought to do this, you know. I mean, if you um, – I don't know. Uh, it's just – it's it's a, a lot of different people talk about it. I mean, they it, it fasting was – it was a way to humble yourself, but you can't go, I'm going to fast to humble myself. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was It was a response. It was it was more spontaneous in the Bible than it was planned, mm. and we we talk about it today, and people, you know, do it. They, I mean, and it's okay to do it together. Um, it, it's John Piper said basically Christian fasting is the hunger um, of a homesickness for God. I mean, you are so intensely wanting to connect with him that you say, I'm not going to eat. Uh, it's uh, it's it's just a spontaneous thing a lot of times. Um, but people think that today they've been taught, um, I believe, a lot of times. Uh, I, and, and I don't know that I agree with it, but I, I'm not I don't know that it's it's sinful, though. 
I just don't know that it was the way they did it in the Bible. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't mean people, I guess, can't do it, but people do it for medical reasons. They do it for, uh, like I said, a losing weight. Um, some people never do it at all, which is interesting to me yeah. because I think we should do it, but it, it just means a, uh, it's a, it's just, doing away with food because of some kind of spiritual purpose, but more than likely it's spontaneous. At least the, the, those are typically the ways we've seen it in the Bible. Wow. So it's just basically, it's not offering some special uh, like ticket to have God hear your prayers. Right. And it's not, um, you know, if you're doing you know, something like the Daniel fast, if you're not doing it with an intent to, be closer to god it's not you're not getting spiritual brownie points basically is what you're saying yeah yeah i mean it's not a good luck charm to Mm -hmm. do it or or something that makes god and jesus gives instructions to it you know he says in matthew when you fast don't look somber as a hypocrites for they disfigure their faces uh he says truly i tell you you've you know they've received their reward when you fast Put oil on your head, wash your face so it's not obvious to others that you're fasting. They used to make themselves look gaunt. Mm -hmm. And so if you tell people, hey, I'm fasting today, I mean, why are you telling people? Like, I mean, the whole idea is you're you're seeking God and such. It's about you and God. It's not about you and other people. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, anyway... They were fasting because they were intensely seeking God about something. You know, First Timothy two one, Paul writes Timothy and says we should make supplication, which is like a an intercessory prayer and uh, prayers for all people. He says in First Timothy two eight, every place men should be praying and lifting up holy hands. So prayer should be a part of a church, especially a vibrant church. It should be a priority, but it's one of those things I think that churches struggle to get people involved with. Like if they say, "Hey, we're going to do, uh, we're going to do a Super Bowl party since the Super Bowl is coming up," they have no problem gathering people to invite people to that. Mm. Hey, we're going to do a prayer gathering just to pray for direction for 2022, and we would like to ask you all to come out. Not a lot of people are going to show up for that, probably. Oh, but we're going to have music. Okay, we'll come if there's going to have music. You know what I'm saying? But to pray, it's just not something uh, that we see as something really important, or we would be go we would go to those things. Why do you think that is? Um, I think because the enemy doesn't want us to pray, and so people don't. I mean, they don't see. <laughs> They don't, they don't see the value in corporate prayer. They don't see the, I mean, not all. I mean, there are some. You know, my friend John Monger, he's got his church up at 5 a.m. Man, yeah. they're praying. They're up praying and interceding. And wouldn't it be great if, if churches would do that? Think about what might happen if people are praying continuously. What if, what if, what, what, what if a church... Let's say a church of 5,000 here. There's several churches like that in town. Said, okay, we're going we're gonna to cover every hour of the day and every day of the week. So you have seven days. You have 24 hours. 
So you you figure it, it, it only takes that many people, right? Seven days, 24 hours. 98 people praying one hour could cover the whole week. Think about that. You just say, set your alarm. I'm going to wake up at 1 a.m. and I'm going to pray for an hour. What if what would what would happen if churches all over the country started just interceding for God's mercy, asking for His Spirit to come? These people were praying. Why were they praying? Well, when they were praying, it says the Holy Spirit said to them, "Set apart Saul and Barnabas." So it appears that was the answer to their prayer. They were seeking direction about how to reach the rest of the world with this gospel, and so evangelism and missions was another priority of this church. That's what they were praying for. Acts 1.8, what did he say? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. So they were praying for that priority. And Paul goes on to write in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors as go God himself were interceding. I could just see Barnabas, you know, Barnabas was sitting there wishing his people back in Cyprus would hear the gospel, and he's ultimately going to be an answer to that prayer. First Peter 2.9 says, we are to proclaim the excellencies of him. And so they're praying the Holy Spirit answers, and tomorrow what we're going to see is them actually go out in response to the Spirit sending them out. Barnabas and Saul on their first missionary journey as answers to their own prayer. Hmm. So make sure you tune in tomorrow to get into that. You've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio, and you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening